We've got some uh, family visiting with us. We've got some friends, some former members here that I understand. So thank you for your presence. I'm glad that you're here. Nice to see some, some new faces. I'm very blessed this morning. There are a number of highlights in the ministry of Jesus. The transfiguration was definitely uh, one of those. It's recorded in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, we'll look at that briefly, and then I want us to pick up after that and see what we can glean this morning about faith, about what it means to have faith. Hopefully you know the story well, the transfiguration accompanied by uh, his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John, Jesus went up to the top of a mountain. He changed in his appearance so that he shone like the sun. Moses and Elijah uh, came and spoke with him concerning what was going to take place in Jerusalem very shortly. You know, it must have really been encouraging uh, to the Son of God to speak uh, with these two great prophets, these, these men who had come to encourage Jesus about what was, he was fixing to undergo. And I also find it very interesting that Luke describes what they discussed as an exodus, an exodus that was going to take place. Moses, uh, you remember, had led the children of Israel uh, on an exodus out of Egypt, out of slavery, bondage, uh, in slavery to Egypt, Jesus is about to undergo an exodus which is going to set his children free from the slavery of sin. Luke says that the next day, Jesus, James, John, Peter, they returned to the other disciples there at the foot of the mountain. So I want us to pick up and read Mark's account, Mark chapter 9. This is after the trans. Figuration, Mark 9, beginning in verse 14. The word of the Lord reads, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground. He rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. 
But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I love what Jesus says here. If you can, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for him who believes. Say that with me. Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After he had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Some manuscripts say that he can, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. It's important for us to see that the disciples knew that they had authority over evil spirits. The record in Luke chapter 9 indicates that they had already been commissioned to go out with authority to cast out demons, and they had been successful. They had been successful in doing so. So why are they having problems now? Why can they not cast this demon out all of a sudden? Well, it's clear from the text that they are surprised. They're surprised that they could not cast out this demon from the boy, and so they asked Jesus why they were ineffective. Matthew's account says this, Matthew chapter 17, beginning of verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private, and they asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. I think the New American Standard says, because of the littleness of your faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Because of the littleness of their faith. Because they lacked faith, they were unable to do what Jesus had both asked them to do and had equipped them to do. So what is faith? What is faith? Well, faith is believing. It's being sure, being sure of what we hope for. You say, I, I know that. I already know that. What does it really mean? What, is, what does faith look like? Well, Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, 24, he says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, 
the way that you do this is, is to visualize the result of an answered prayer. And you begin to live and thank God for it. And I don't just mean on an intellectual level, but I'm talking about ex- you begin to experience the joy of already having what you've asked for. That's what Jesus says here. Believe that you have received it in the past tense. Believe that you've received it. Experience the joy of it even before you have received it. Feel it. What does it feel like? To have it, to experience. We're, we're, not, we're not very good. <laughs> we're not very good at that. You know why? You know why I think we're not very good at doing that? It's because we don't believe it. We don't really believe it. You can say what you want. You can, we can make excuses or we can use whatever logic. But Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Is that true? Is what Jesus said true? Yes. How you answer that determines whether or not you have the beginning of faith. And whether you practice it, do what Jesus says or not, determines whether you have faith or not. You say, well, how do I... Uh, how do I know? What, what, if, what if I do that very thing and I don't get what I ask for? Well, then it, it wasn't God's will. We have to preface everything with that, if God wills. That's what we're taught. That's what Jesus taught us. And you say, well, there you go. There you go. There's the catch. It's not like Jesus said, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. But that's exactly what he says. Believe that you've received it, and it's yours. The point is that God wants to do things for you. He wants to do things with you. But it's not going to happen unless you pray with faith and you believe it. Was it God's will that they cast the demon out of the boy? Was it God's will that they, that they do that? Yes. It wouldn't make sense that that Jesus would expect them to do something that wasn't God's will, then why didn't they? Was it, was it because of God's weakness? Was it because of God's inability? Was it because God lacked the power to do it? Why were they not able to cast out the demon from the little boy? Because of the littleness of their faith. Because they lacked the faith to do it. In the Gospels, we see people being healed by Jesus, and he makes the comment, may it be done to you according to your faith. You remember that? You may be sick. God is, is, willing, is willing to heal you, but you've got to have faith. You've got to pray believing that God will hear your request and that he will answer. How do you do that? You begin to visualize being well. You begin to 
visualize and experience the joy of what it will feel like when you are well and you believe and you trust that God is going to answer that prayer because you have faith. Because you have faith. And if it's God's will, because of your faith, it'll be granted to you. You see, God wants to do good for you. He really does. I find that the problem a lot of us have in this kind of faith is that we're just not convinced that God wants to do good for us. So we don't ask expecting to receive it. Much less we don't begin to live as though we've already received what we've asked for. But it's God's very nature to love us. It's God's very nature to like us, to want to do good things for us, to be merciful to us, to be gracious to us. That's God's very nature. One time Moses made a very, very bold request of God. I want us to look at it. Exodus chapter 33. It says volumes about what we're talking about here, I think. Exodus chapter 33. Moses, this, I'm getting to verse 18. Moses said, now show me your glory. That's a pretty bold request of God, isn't it? He says, God, show me your glory. And the Lord said, anytime you see Lord in all caps, that's, that's the name for God. We could say Yahweh. We could put that in there. Yahweh said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, Yahweh, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see may see me and live. And then the Lord said, Yahweh, there is, no, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So then God passed before Moses. What did Moses see? Go to Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, Yahweh. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshiped. Compassionate, graciousness, loving kindness. That's who God is. 
That's who God is. You can expect God to love you. You can expect God to want to show you compassion. You can expect God to be kind and good to you. You can expect God to want to be gracious to you. And God doesn't get easily angry. He doesn't get angry very easily. That's who God is. God is love. He loves you. And you know what? He likes you. He even likes you. Faith is believing this. Faith is believing that. Faith is because we believe that God is good and he loves us, he wants to do good for us. We ask believing that he has given us our requests. Why? Why why can we have that faith? Because we know that God wants to do good. That's who he is. He is love. He is kindness. He is goodness. He is compassion. And the only reason that God might not give to us something would be because God knows some things that we don't know. God sees a bigger picture, and he doesn't want to give us something that would ultimately hurt us or not be beneficial to us. Or if we're asking things that aren't God's will, if we ask God to interfere with somebody else's will. You see, God seems to um, operate based upon allowing man uh, the free will to choose things. So I can pray for something, but it would, um, if I'm asking God to do something in someone else's life, and that would go against their free will to choose, God's not going to do that. I have prayed and prayed prayers asking God to do things in another person's life, but he will not, uh, he will not make them do something against their own will. Would, would that he would do that, but he won't. God subjects him, he subjects himself to the principle of, of man's free will. But God, listen to me, God wants to do good for us if we'll only ask in faith and pray believing. So, meanwhile, the disciples are busy uh, defending themselves. The so-called teachers of the law uh, are accusing them. And guess what's happening while all this is going on? The demon is trying to kill the boy. The demon is rolling around, uh, causing the boy to convulse gnashing his teeth, throwing him into the fire, and the disciples are arguing with the teachers of the law about why they couldn't drive out the demon. Meanwhile, the boy is at the demon's mercy, and the demon's trying to kill him. They stand by watching the destruction of this child because of the littleness of their faith. And I would submit to you today that the whole world is in the same condition today as that little boy. We stand by and we watch a world 
that is being destroyed. Literally destroyed by the devil and his demons. While we have both the command to help them and the authority to do so. And we don't do it because of the littleness of our faith. Because we lack the faith. We don't actively do anything because we don't believe we should or we don't believe we can or we don't believe it would do any good because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or maybe because we just don't care. People are being ravaged by demons. They're lost in darkness. Addictions, poverty, sickness, loneliness, sorrow, divorce, homosexuality, heterosexuality. People have abandoned marriage altogether, drunkenness, drug addiction, and on and on and on, and we stand around watching and arguing. We spend our time arguing about whether or not we can lift up hands and worship to God, whether we can clap after a baptism. This morning we sang a song, and I just felt like lifting my hands, and sometimes I do, but for some reason this morning I felt so inhibited, and I can't explain it to you. I wanted to lift my hands in praise, but I just felt this inhibition just overwhelm me because of the way I was raised, because of what was pounded into my mind. We spend all our time arguing about those things, and meanwhile, the world is going to hell. They're lost. They're being ravaged. They're dying. They're killing one another. Drugs are, have taken us over. Sexual things, sexual immorality is ravaging us as a people, as a nation. We cannot stand unless we get on our knees before God and say, help, we repent. I repent of my immorality, of my thoughts, of my lack of faith. The unbelief and the powerlessness of his disciples were a burden to Jesus. They were a burden to Jesus. His first response was one of sorrow. He looked out at the powerlessness, the embarrassed disciples, the, the scribes who were arguing, the needy, the desperate son. He says, how long how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? It was a burden to Jesus. I wonder if we here at Northside are a burden to Jesus today. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. Jesus put us here for a purpose, to be a light in this community to be a light to the world.
He has given us the task of rescuing mankind, and he has given us the power to do it. He would never ask us to do something that he did not equip us with to do. Evil is trying to destroy God's good creation. Evil is trying to destroy the image of God in man and turn man into nothing more than an animal. See, an animal has no shame. An animal has no morality. An animal does what he does by instinct. And that's what evil is trying to do and is accomplishing it very successfully by turning man into nothing more than an animal, tarnishing the image of God that we've been created in and reducing us to nothing more than our pound of flesh, satisfying every urge. That's what we see in the world today. No sense of right or wrong. Evil stripping man of the image of God. And we, we are to be a part of the solution. We have been commissioned to go into the world with this message. And when I say go into the world, I mean just go into your world. I've been to Africa many times. Um, I've been various places all over the world proclaiming the gospel. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to go to South America. You don't have to go to Korea. Just lean across the backyard fence, walk across the street, get up out of your cubicle and go to the next cubicle where you work. We have been given our marching orders. We're to be a part of the solution. To tell people that God is reversing the curse, the curse that was placed on mankind God is reversing that through Jesus. He's restoring the creation. He's restoring man back to the image of God. The new creation is coming, and we can enter into it right now before its full consummation when Jesus returns. He has given us the command to do it, and he has given us the power to do it. Now all we need is the faith to do it. Jesus told us the secret to tapping into the resources of God's power when he said, pray, believing that you have received it, that you have already received it, and it will be yours. I never know sometimes when I stand up what the Spirit is going to do or what, what he wants to say through me, but we've got to be a people of faith. We've got to be a people who walk in the power of the Spirit. There's nothing we can do that can be accomplished by our own power that it's, that's worth anything. We, we can accomplish some things by our own power, but it will not be lasting Apart from God, apart from his spirit, we can do nothing. But with his power, with his spirit, nothing will be impossible for us. Do you believe that? Yes, yes, maybe a little bit. 
We say we believe it, but we don't live like we believe it. And that's why I came here. That's why I think the Holy Spirit of God led me to this place for such a time as this, because I have tasted I have tasted and seen what the power of God can do. I've seen it. I've, I've been boots on the ground in Africa for the last eight years, and I've tasted and I've seen what God is doing in the lives of people, and I am hungry for that. Church, I'm hungry for that, and I want to see it happen here. And I believe with every fiber of my being that that's why God led me to Jeffersonville, Indiana. Where in the world is Jefferson, Indiana? I, I had to look it up on the map. I know it's not an SEC country, but I believe God brought me here because God knows that there are people in this place who want to rise up, who want to be more, who want to walk by the Spirit, who want to be empowered by the Spirit, who want to be bold, who want to be courageous, unafraid, unashamed to stand and to wear the name Christian that I believe that Jesus is my king. He's the only power, the only authority, and he's quickening my spirit. He, he's causing me to be alive. It's the reason I get up in the morning, because I, I, I want people to know about Jesus. And I believe that, that that's what you want as well. Guys, let's, let's, let's do it together. Let's, let's, let's rally together by the power of his spirit to rise up a people of faith, if we, say, if we say we're going to take care of the orphan and the widow by your power, by your spirit, we're going to do that. We say we're going to reach out, we're going to obey the command to go into all the world and preach the good news to everybody. By your power, by your spirit, we're going to do that. And guys, when we start walking in faith, when we, when we begin to believe that we've already received it, then nothing will be impossible for us. Do you believe that? I believe it. And God, forgive me for my unbelief. Let's pray. Oh, God, we love you. And, Father, I would not begin to speak for this body of people this morning, but, Father, I confess to you that I have not lived in that power, in that spirit, the way I want to. Father, I want to repent of my unbelief. I know that there's nothing that's impossible for you. Why do I act like I have no power? Why do I shrink back and not speak up, speak out? Father, help me as I help these people. We love you. We believe in you. We trust you. Embolden us, Father, with your spirit. Help us to be strong, to be courageous, to not be afraid. What can man do to us, God? What are we afraid of? Give us power through your spirit to rise up, to be men and women of God that cannot be stopped because nothing is, in power, is impossible for you. Nothing is too hard for you, O oh God. We love you. 
We love you. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your strong and powerful name. Amen.